When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Marijuana is still considered a Schedule One narcotic under federal law. Right, so putting that aside, our legislature has said, here in Illinois, we're going to trump that. Right? We're going to trump that and say recreational use of marijuana in Illinois is legal. That was Scott Cruz, an employment attorney at Clark Hill here in Chicago. This is WBBM's In-Depth, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. I'm Cisco Cotto. This week is part one of a two-part series. It's all about the legalization of recreational marijuana in Illinois. On this episode, we'll talk about what it means for the workplace. How are employers going to navigate this? What's it going to look like for consumers on January 1st when pot is legal and can be purchased? Also, what's the cannabis industry at large going to look like in Illinois? Is it going to be a big moneymaker and job creator? Legalized recreational marijuana is causing all sorts of challenges for employers and creating all sorts of new questions. Scott Cruz is with us now. He's an employment attorney at Clark Hill here in Chicago. Uh, Scott, this, I mean, I just can't even imagine how difficult this is for employers for a variety of reasons. Let's begin with the fact that it may be legal here in Illinois in January, but technically it's still illegal. I mean, federal law still says that weed is illegal, and employers have to figure out how to navigate that. Marijuana is still considered a Schedule One narcotic under federal law, right? So putting that aside, our legislature has said, Notwithstanding that fact, here in Illinois, we're going to trump that, right? We're going to trump that and say recreational use of marijuana in Illinois is legal, right? So there's the dichotomy of now what do employers do, right? Federal level legal, state level legal. And you have some employers, obviously, who are just local. Others, though, that are national or international companies, it seems like it may be even more challenging for them because they may have offices in New York and Florida and New Jersey and Illinois. It's very different than just a hot dog stand that's just here in Chicago. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I have several clients who have raised that very question and said, hey, we have offices, we have locations in um, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Iowa. What do we do with those employees? My advice is if they're not in Illinois, you have to follow what Illinois, with what Indiana, Wisconsin, and Iowa says. And in those states, recreational use of marijuana is not legal. So you essentially have to have different policies, right, for your Illinois folks, and then a different policy for your other employees who are non-Illinois workers, right, to maintain compliance with those local laws. Now, for employers that uh, say, hey, our employers are going to do this no matter what, right? I mean, it's legal. At some point on the weekend, they're going to go ahead and do this. Uh, is it wise to continue to have some sort of a blanket uh, ban some company policy that, no, if you smoke pot, if we find out about it, whether that's through testing or whatever, uh, you're going to be fired. Is it maybe more advisable to do that um, and just say forget it? Or do they have to create some wiggle room? Because, as I mentioned, some point they're just going to go do this on the weekend. Yeah, they have to create the wiggle room. So the, the reason is when the um, General Assembly passed the Cannabis Act, part of what they did is they amended what's called the Illinois Right to Privacy in the Workplace Act. And the significance with that is under that act, it states that employers cannot take any what's called adverse action, discipline, failure to hire against an employee for use of lawful legal products. They have amended that to say that 
Um, rec- marijuana is now a legal product, right? So employers cannot, if they just know that you smoked marijuana three weeks ago and an employee tells an employer that, they can't take action based on that because in Illinois, it's legal. Even though federally it's still illegal. Even though right? federally I mean, it's still illegal. It's just the yeah. weirdness of this, unlike anything else. Right, right? We right. just don't see anything like this. So they, can, they can't do anything because it's okay in Illinois, even though federally it's not okay. Correct. So yeah. what they can do, however, um, is that... If they have this good faith belief, and that's embedded in the act, this good faith belief that an employee is impaired or under the influence of marijuana at work while the individual is performing his or her job duties or while on call, they can take action. Right. So you have to separate um, an employee using marijuana outside of work and then an employee, an employer's belief that even though the employee used the marijuana outside of work, at work, he or she is impaired under the influence. And it's the latter that allows the employer to take that action. So how can an employer figure this out? Because if you uh, are drunk, you know, you, you, you blow and you're .10, or you get a blood test and they can tell. Uh, an employer can't simply say, you know, he, he was hungrier than normal. You know, I mean, you, there's just there's no really clear way to be able to say this person is under the influence of marijuana in a way that is harmful to his or her job. So the act, what the act does, and it gives a lot of discretion to the employer, which is actually very employer friendly. And what it does is it provides not necessarily a laundry list, but says and if an employer can articulate various symptoms, right, that you can say, for example, that this individual, we believe this individual is impaired or under the influence because fill in that blank, right? You need to be able to fill in that blank with your good faith belief that you have some reasonable suspicion that this person is impaired or under the influence. And so long as it is reasonable, right, so long as you can articulate this reasonable belief under the law, you're going to be fine. In fact, it goes so far to say that an employee cannot even, doesn't even have a cause of action against an employer, so long as the employer has this good faith belief. If an employer cannot articulate a good faith belief, that's when they get into trouble. And that's where, for example, um, these pre-employment drug testing and these purely random drug testing comes into play. Certain safety jobs or something like that. Hey, if you're a school bus driver, you can never smoke pot. That's just our rule here. No, you can smoke pot as long as you're not impaired when you're driving the kids. Well, there's certain exceptions. Okay. Um, yeah. There's certain exceptions under, for example, if an employer is subject to Department of, Tra- Department of Transportation regulations, right? School bus drivers, truck drivers. Um, the Department of Transportation has regulations that state you have to have a zero tolerance. Right. And so what the act says is that if you are subject to the Department of Transportation regulations, this law doesn't apply to you anymore, at least for those employees who are subject to truck drivers, the school bus drivers who are subject to those regulations. That is zero tolerance for the other half of your workforce. That's not subject to that. You have to you have to abide by what Illinois is saying. Scott Cruz, employment attorney at Clark Hill here in Chicago. Thanks for being with us. Really good information. I have a feeling you're going to be very busy next year. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Now joining us, John Sullivan. He's executive vice president of public affairs at Cresco Labs, a cannabis and medical marijuana company already doing business here in Illinois. Uh, John, give give us sort of a thumbnail sketch for people who are not familiar with Cresco. Uh, What exactly do you do in the marijuana business? It's medical, but it seems like it's more than medical, too. Do I have that right? It is. Uh, We are actually uh, one of the biggest uh, companies in the country. We are in 10 states now, and we do everything from uh, growing to packaging to processing uh, to uh, 
selling delivery uh, in some states uh, and to retail sales. What are the, the benefits of being engaged in every level of the process like that, as, as opposed to, say, just selling? Sure. Um, it's, you know, it's it's a new process, right, uh, in the country, really. Um, Illinois became Cannabis 2.0. We were the first really highly regulated state uh, to do this, and uh, Illinois made it pretty complicated. So the ability to do all of the functions, to uh, work through all of the processes, really gives us a, a, a real competitive advantage. We know how to do every single part of the whole sales process, and we can ensure that customers get the best quality products uh, throughout the whole supply chain. Because that's one of the things I think people are concerned about as it becomes legalized is how do you know that the stuff you're getting is good? And we hear about illegal drugs and how they make people sick because they're, they're diluted with this or mixed with that. Uh, your company and others like yours are going to be charged with making sure that the stuff is good. Sure. And this, that's the best part, really, of uh, having legalized, highly regulated cannabis. Uh, in Illinois and many other states where it is now legal and regulated, uh, you have extensive testing processes that are through uh, labs that are independent. So we have to send out every single one of our products we do. They get tested. They get certified by the state before we are allowed to sell them to anyone. So really... Compared to what uh, was once the illicit market, the illegal market, where you didn't know where you're gonna, what you were gonna get if you bought it on the street, here you know exactly what's in every one of these products. It's labeled just like any other consumer packaged good, and again, it's tested, which is the most important part. So the consumer knows what they're getting, and they know where they got it from. So if there's ever any problem or issue, they know who to go back to to talk about it. So for the consumer, for someone who wants to buy legal marijuana, uh, what's this going to look like in January? Because I think some people are assuming. Oh, this is going to be like those little uh, caffeine shots or pills or whatever. I'm going to be able to get them at every convenience store. I'm going to be able to get it at any uh, any of the big box stores. Anywhere I go, I'm just going to be able to, anywhere I can get cigarettes, I'm going to be able to get marijuana. It's not quite the way it's going it to work out. It is not that way yeah. at all, really. Yeah, so Illinois has really set up, I think, what is going to be the best program in the country. And it is part of a slow, controlled rollout so that we can make sure we do it right. We can make sure that the products are tested, the consumers are getting good product, and they know where they're getting it from. So initially... The only places you'll be able to buy cannabis in Illinois are at 55 dispensaries that were first medical dispensaries. And the reason the state did that is because we know those companies. We know those companies have done a good job, um, and we know that people are going to get good quality products through those dispensaries. So that's the initial part of the rollout. Eventually, um, that number of dispensaries will grow considerably. Um, for example, right now the state is going through an application process where they're, gonna, they're uh, looking for 75 new owners of dispensaries to come and open up, in, and that'll be happening. Those awards go out in May. As of January 1st, how does this change for the patients that up until now have been medical marijuana patients, where they've had to have a doctor involved, they've had to get certified, you got a card. Uh, now do they even need that anymore, or, or can they just come in and, and sort of get what they want like anyone else? Does it essentially get rid of the medical marijuana consumers as a separate category? It does not. There's really a huge tax benefit to remaining a medical patient. So if you're a medical patient, you're certified by a doctor, you have one of the conditions that are listed under the Illinois program, you pay, uh, well, in the city of Chicago, it's 2.75% tax, whereas I think the effective tax rate for a recreational consumer or an adult use consumer can be as high as 30%. So there's really going to be a high cost savings for uh, for your medical patients. But more importantly, there are true medical benefits uh, to the use of cannabis, and we want people to continue to have their conver those conversations with their doctors for all of the conditions that Illinois allows. We think it's important to continue to study that, to find out the tr all of the medical benefits that go along with cannabis, 
and um, to make sure that uh, patients continue to be educated about how the use of cannabis can interact with their other the other drugs that they may be using and that the doctors continue to monitor it. So, so. what does this look like? Uh, you know, I walk in the door into one of the dispensaries. What does it look like for me? Do I walk in and it's it's like a candy store where there's just a wall of products and, and I sort of pick and choose? What does that look like? Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, our stores um, have been comp- compared to like uh, Apple stores when you walk in. Really, there are uh, along the walls, there are all types of educational uh, information. Uh, all the product is kept behind the counter in Illinois. It all comes in a sealed condition. It's not like uh, like the videos you see or maybe if you've been out to Colorado where people are picking buds out of jars and things like that. No, <laughs> Illinois, again, has made sure that it's all tested. It all comes in childproof sealed containers. See, I thought I'd just get a bag like and I walk along and I just take whatever I want it. and no. drop it. And then you just weigh it and no. you pay. It, it is. It's like the candy store. Right, right. Now it's uh, <laughs> it's much more like going into Walgreens. Everything is sealed up. You know it's been sealed. You know it's been tested. You know exactly what you're getting. People aren't putting their hands in it or uh, pulling it out of jars. So. For the, the people who have never done it before, you're mentioning, uh, you said education a lot. It really seems like that's a big part of making sure that they know what they're doing. What's education look like? Is it videos? Is it literature? Is it a conversation with someone behind the counter? What, what does it look like? It is. At all of the Sunnyside dispensaries, we have very uh, well-educated um, uh, wellness experts. Um, they have gone through extensive training. They have uh, uh, several hours. The state actually requires them to go through uh, a certain amount of training. So it's really, it looks, we'll have information uh, to pass out to them as well, but it's really talking to uh, those wellness experts and learning, you know, which strains will help me to sleep better at night, which strains might get away, uh, help me get rid of inflammation, which strains can I use instead of maybe a cup of coffee to give me the same type of uh, same type of buzz that caffeine gets me. So, uh, you know, having all of those conversations, knowing what the different strains can do, understanding that and what the effects are going to be before you use it is critical. John Sullivan, Executive Vice President of Public Affairs for Cresco Labs here in Chicago. Thank you for being here. Brad Spirison is now joining us. Brad is... Publisher of Grown In, a weekly email newsletter covering the commercial cannabis industry. And Brad has been covering this industry for quite some time. Brad, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, it seems like a natural winner. Uh, you know, whoever's involved in it. I mean, a bunch of people in January are going to want to try this. Uh, several people have already been doing this because of medical issues. Seems like no matter where you are in that food chain in the cannabis industry, man, there's just loads of money to be made uh, big-time profitability, is that necessarily the case? Or, or are there some challenges to it that you know, maybe it's a little more iffy? I think both would be uh, an appropriate prediction here. So on, on, the, on the pro side, uh, you, we are going to experience the migration of an industry that has largely existed in the black market for several years generations and uh, once that be you know is licensed regulated legalized etc this opens up a new consumer product category for a larger part of the population obviously we've had medical uh, for the last four or five years but yeah there's uh, a lot more people are going to be buying the plants in its various forms that does not necessarily mean that everybody who invests in this category is going to do well because um, it's a very competitive market. It's a highly regulated market. And uh, we've already seen through the last 
year, two years, you know, big fluctuations around the, the, the larger companies, not only here in Illinois, but nationwide and in Canada, where a lot of people have lost money believing it would be uh, more successful more quickly to be in the cannabis industry. So um, yeah, you know, we don't know yet. License to print money is what they thought. And so you're right. You, you, do, you get all these investors who just get in right at the beginning. They're going to be in on the ground floor. They're going to be marijuana millionaires. And then you look at these stock prices, and it's not quite what they thought it was going to be. Not only is it not quite what we thought it was going to be, in many cases, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent down from um, peak valuations or peak stock prices that we heard about as recently as this past uh, summer. So, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I remember, um, you know, just you know, reading through the papers, reading headlines, everything else. This company acquired for hundreds of millions of dollars or stock prices that we are uh, over the last couple of months certainly seeing um, lower valuations, lower everything. I think that there's going to be a lot of volatility. Um, I think maybe this first class of uh, large companies uh, benefited and maybe their valuations benefited from the novelty of investing uh, in this category. And of course, the only way you could do so on the public markets um, uh, is through Canadian exchange and very non-traditional ways um, uh, of doing that. Having said all that, I think over time, um, you know, there, there are going to be companies here and nationwide that are going to figure it out. And I think like everything else, it will evolve into a mainstream asset class where we're going to have some extremely valuable companies and others not so much. It is striking. You've obviously been covering this, but you've covered a lot of things over the years. It is striking that we have something that was not only illegal, still technically is federally, was not only illegal for so many years, but you were seen as sort of this moral degenerate. You know, if you, you smell like pot, if the pothead is not really a term of endearment, and now, just like that, a bill passes, it gets signed, they're going to be selling it in Illinois, and it's this weird total 180 where even, as you're saying, now businesses that might have said, if you're an employee, we're going to fire you if you come in smelling like pot. Now they're trying to figure out how to make money on it. Quickly. That's yeah, dramatic. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, like you go to, like, um, you know, traditional business clubs, networking kind of things, and... Um, Four or five years ago, the same people you would run in and they, they would have this version or this stigma of uh, Cheech and Chong yeah. or yeah. whatever, you know, Stoner, this. And and now these same business leaders, owners, executives are figuring out how to incorporate the cannabis vertical into everything else they do. And it happened like uh, just watching it in real time, how people shift. In this case, it's it's part it's, it's economic. Here's a new industry, and then it's cultural. I believe in that. Um, you know, if, if regardless of what you might think about the science of the plant, if something is against the law, something's against the law, and appropriately, you're going to get a large percentage of the population that, if it is no longer illegal, will be more open to it from a morals perspective. Really good information. 
Join us next week for part two of our look at the impact of legalization of recreational marijuana here in Illinois. We'll talk about the downside of marijuana use. What are the health concerns? Also, how surrounding states are handling Illinois' rollout. It is legal here in Illinois, but not everywhere in the Midwest. Also, are there any social equity concerns? What kind of an impact will legalized pot have on lower income communities, especially in Chicago? That's coming up in part two of the in-depth podcast on legalized marijuana. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to receive this free podcast every Wednesday. And, of course, you can listen anytime for the latest stories that matter to you. Join WBBM on the Radio.com app or, of course, on your radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto.